Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hey everyone, it's great to be back in your box. Happy Friday. Hope you had a good week. I know you're dying to know this. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, I found my mic. <laughs> if you're listening last week, I could not find my mic anywhere. I had taken it with me to Florida on our vacation so I could record there and lost it. And I found it in my suitcase. It was the one thing I didn't unpack. So there you have it. And we get to enjoy nice audio this week. This week, we're talking about burnout more. So I have chatted about burnout in the past, and it is one of the most popular topics, both in my podcast and also over on YouTube. So I wanted to chat specifically today per uh, YouTube viewer request to share some ideas on how to get out of burnout. If you identify that you're in it and you know you're there, how do you get out of it or avoid falling back into it because burnout tends to happen in cycles. So that's what we're talking about today. So in researching this topic, I came across an article from BetterUp that really distilled work burnout beautifully. So I thought that that would be a good place to start. And they referenced an author by the name of Fredenberger who wrote a book called Burnout, The High Cost of High Achievement, which could possibly be rewritten as ADHD, The High Cost of High Achievement, but that's a topic for another day. Anyway, he characterized symptoms of burnout as lack of motivation, a lack of belief in one's ability to complete tasks, lack of pleasure in your work. And he goes on to say that if you find yourself struggling with the simplest of tasks and you're easily frustrated with your coworkers or loved ones, you feel like you just can't do anything well, then you might be experiencing burnout. Or you might have ADHD and this is just a regular Tuesday. Hashtag, if you know, you know. <laughs> But that gives you a general idea. And I'm going to pause on the research for a second and just share that burnout can often look like depression and depression can often look like burnout. And you could be suffering from both. So this is not to diagnose anything, but just to give you some tools to identify what you think you might need to address. So the Better Up article goes on to reference some new research from the Society for Human Resource Management that reports a whopping 41% of U.S. employees feel burned out from work and 23% report feeling down or depressed or hopeless. And 51% of that group are women. Oh, and at 51% of Gen Zs also report that their job makes them feel burned out versus 24% of baby booners. So I wonder, does that have anything to do with their staging career? their level of maturity, or the fact that they're retiring soon. I don't know, but I thought it was interesting. And then the article goes on to discuss a 2015 Deloitte survey that reported 77% of professionals have experienced burnout in their current workplace. So this situation is not isolated to just the past few years of what we've experienced through the pandemic, which has really accelerated the burnout cycle, but it's been going on for a little while here. So. The article breaks down burnout into three different subtypes. They call it overload burnout, under-challenge burnout, and neglect burnout. And if we look at these through the lens of ADHD, it's really to see, it's interesting to think about how they all play out. Like, for example, overload burnout is either going to occur from working too hard 
because of, you know, feeling that, you know, you're being over, over encumbered in your job. Or if you have ADHD, you could also, even if you don't have ADHD, it could also be hyperfocus or a feeling of needing to prove oneself at work. Whereas with under-challenge burnout, that relates to our inability, for us ADHDers, to regulate our attention and perform the necessary but completely freaking boring tasks that are required of us at work. So that can be really, really difficult when you can't turn on your attention and focus it on what needs to be done. And then neglect is also really interesting given that we need a sense of purpose and agency, all people do at work. And it's hard to feel engaged when you feel like nothing you're doing is making a difference. And of course this is true for all human beings, but when you look at this topic with the ADHD lens, not having that connection to intrinsic motivation where the purpose for what we're doing is clear and valuable to us, it makes it really hard to push forward uh, and push through these periods of burnout at work. So what do we do about this? Well, like I said, it's now a medical condition, or I didn't say that earlier, but I'm saying it now, based on the World Health Organization. So if you are really struggling, I recommend that you go see uh, a doctor or a psychiatrist or a mental health professional of some kind, which I am not. And this is, of course, not to be confused with um, mental health, but I think we need that. However. If you're just looking for some helpful ways to think about how you can control and mitigate burnout, then keep listening. So the next thing I'll say is that in terms of solutions, which I'm going to walk through next, there's obviously not one, a one-size-fits-all solution. The reason you're burned out is going to be different from an, somebody else's reason. So it's hard to give blanket solutions to something that is so personal. However, I can give you some helpful parameters that can guide some self-reflection into your own experience so that you can identify some triggers that might be leading you down your own particular flavor of burnout. So I'm going to call upon some other research I dug up, and this is out of uh, UC California, Berkeley, and also Acadia University. They identified six factors that relate to burnout. Now, similar to the subtypes I mentioned earlier, but these are more specific and therefore um, more helpful to contextualize to your personal situation. So I'll go ahead and list the six factors first so that you can get a sense of what they are. And then at the end, I'll give you some coaching tips for each area. So the first factor is workload. And, you know, this comes down to, do you currently have a workload that matches your capacity? And you can relate this to, overwork or under challenge, as we talked about earlier. And it's really tricky to treat this because it can be externally driven, i.e. too much is being expected of you in your job, or you are overworking yourself because you're trying to prove something. I see you ADHDers. <laughs> so I'm going to put a pin in that now and we'll come back to it. But that is the first one. Perceived control is the next factor. <clears throat> do you have a sense of control over the work that you do and how you do it? Or are you being micromanaged to the point of feeling like your opinions and contribution has no value? I have felt this in the way in the past and by some very well-meaning managers. And it's the reasons that I left those roles. Freedom and independence is a very high value for me. So this one is completely intolerable for me. I cannot be micromanaged and lack of control can also look like constantly you know, a changing environment where you never feel like there's a level of predictability or you always feel like you're trying to catch up. 
or that your personal life boundaries are being impinged because of your job. The next factor is reward. The most obvious situation here is being underpaid for the work you do. However, it can also mean not being compensated appropriately in comparison to your peers or appropriate recognition in non-monetary ways. This can relate to intrinsic rewards like meaningful work where you see the impact you're having on others like a veterinary or a doctor or something like that. The next factor is community. And this can include your company culture, your peers, your boss, or even stakeholders and clients. Do you like these people and do your values align to theirs? This is a tricky one to control beyond moving yourself from an environment that doesn't suit you, but we'll get back to that in a sec. The next one is fairness, which again is a very subjective measurement because what you might think is fair might be different from what others consider acceptable. But obviously sometimes there's very clear inequities in a job and there's literally that you can do about it except for head to HR for legal reasons or leave. And then the final one is a values mismatch. This is a really important factor, particularly for ADHDers. If what you value is in opposition to the work you do, the work you do will always feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill. Conversely, when your values align to the work you do, it can make even the suckiest parts of your job worthwhile. So now that we've covered the six factors, we can use this as a framework to do some personal reflection on our jobs or even our life circumstances. But before we go on, I want to pause for a second and just speak very briefly about attitude. Often when we're burned out, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, cynicism is a big part of what shows up for us. And it becomes harder and harder as we go down that hole of cynicism to remain open-minded to potential solutions and um, solving where you're at. We're going to run through a number of different inquiries and questions and if, even some like suggestions. And if something sounds like it's triggering to you, like, oh, that might work for somebody else, but not for me. That would never work for me. I can't do that. If you are coming from that place, it's going to be very hard to make change. If you feel like nothing that you're doing is ever going to move the dial, then nothing will change. So I would really ask you to check yourself and your attitude and your openness to exploring this and exploring possibilities. And keep in mind that things don't have to be all or nothing, you know? You don't have to make big, grand gestures to change a burnout situation. In fact, I don't even recommend that. I recommend micro, small changes that are not going to tax you or stress you out. And it's not too much change all at once. Because again, coming back to some of these factors like lack of control and you know predictability and, and those sort of things, we don't want to trigger that even further. We want to create a sense of control and fairness and agency over our own work. This is going to help us pull out of burnout. So I encourage you to think about everything we're about to walk through and think about it from the perspective of what small thing can I do today to move the dial just 1% and then 1% tomorrow. And then in five days, you've moved the dial 5%, but it's small and incremental or even, you know, it doesn't even have to be something every day, it could be something every week. I just wanted to caveat that because I think it is so, so important whenever, you know, you're thinking about transformation and change that you are coming from the right mindset and heart set. So let's go back through those six factors again, starting with workload. If it is too much work, what is the source of the issue? Is it that you're being asked to do too much or are you taking on too much? 
if the source of the issue is you saying yes to too much overwork or volunteering, what are you trying to prove or who are you trying to please? Is this something that is seated in imposter syndrome or some feeling of not feeling worthy enough? If that's the case, you might want to take those feelings to a therapist to explore them further. If it's just that you have a hard time prioritizing or that you want to do all the things because you've got that big ADHD brain that doesn't like to, you know, say no to things, then that's the type of thing that you would either want to work on your own or discuss with an ADHD coach. Because they are trained to really help you build structure and external accountability and support to make sure that you don't keep falling into that trap. If underwork is the issue, then that's pretty easily solved by just offering to do more in areas where you want to grow. So what if there's no area that you want to grow in your current role or company? Mm, well, then what does that tell you about the role that you're in? Maybe it's, it's fine for now, but you want to start looking for something else down the line, or maybe you want to start looking for something now, uh, especially if it is causing you extreme burnout. Let's move on to perceived control. They say that people join companies but leave bosses, sort of like I mentioned earlier with a couple of micromanaging bosses that I've had in the past. Now that said, do you work for a control freak? If you do, then is there a way that you can reframe how that person works so that you can tolerate their working style? Like, can you start to appreciate them for how much they care about the work that their team produces or admire their attention to detail? Sometimes if we just sort of change the narrative around somebody else, like maybe have some compassion for them because maybe they fear that they might be losing their job and that's why they're, they've got their hands over everything. And can you come to them with that sense of compassion and empathy and, hey, you know, how can I make you look better so that we can both look better and you can learn to trust me more? Or can you share your preferred working style and compromise on a workflow that works for both of you? In the situations where I had micromanagement, micromanaging jobs, I didn't have the tools at that point. I do now. But what I would have done in retrospect, I would have, you know, explained how my working style is. Like I'm, I write in my, in, in what was my corporate job, which is wrapping up this week. I do a lot of writing. So obviously people are going to go in an attic and make changes. But if somebody's making like red line changes throughout the entire thing, and it looks like a completely different document, and they've made a lot of suggestions and questions and things that I need to kind of figure out what they're talking about, that's really frustrating for me. So what I could have done was go back and say, why don't you let me go ahead and do a first draft based on what you think is the right move? Or, you know, why don't you start with providing talking points and then I'll write something around that. And then you can go through and if you want to make edits, go ahead and instead of, you know, making suggestions, go ahead and make those edits. That's what I would have done or set up more sort of clear, transparent work styles where, you know, I could show my boss my work progress instead of me having to explain every freaking detail. That's how I would have changed it in the past. So I use that as an example for allowing you to think through creative ways that you can work differently with your boss. Because sometimes it's not the job. And very often, if it's not the job and you're leaving the boss, you might regret it later, as I did, <laughs> speaking from experience. So let's say that the issue is boundaries and your boss is trying to contact you at all hours. 
you have the choice whether or not you pick up the phone or respond to the email. So take some time to consider what boundaries you need and then create them and then demonstrate those boundaries by living them. What I mean by that is if you don't like and you resent your boss like sending you emails in the evening, don't look at your phone. Don't answer your phone. And if the next, you don't necessarily have to say to them, hey, I'm creating this boundary where, you know, I'm not going to you know, respond to things after 6 p.m. You don't even have to say that. Uh, you can just start living your boundaries. And then if you hear some sort of feedback about that, then you can say, I'm trying to create better boundaries in my life because my family's really bored of me or I have commitments after work. So I won't be able to respond to your emails after work hours. You know, like don't make a big deal of it unless you have to make a big deal of it. But I think that this is a great way to, just protect your boundaries. Only you can determine what your boundaries need to be and you need to honor them first and make sure that, you know, these are the sort of things that are important to you. Because if you do leave that boss or that organization, you don't want to dive right into the same thing with the next organization. So that is something I, I think that is so important to spend time thinking through. The next one we talked about was reward. Now, I would invite you to ask yourself, is the workload that you're currently at, especially if it's too much, worth the payoff. So this is a tough one because speaking as someone who spent their entire career in Silicon Valley tech, the workload is huge often, but so is the compensation in the stock plans. And only you can decide if you feel fairly compensated for the work you do. I always felt like I was, even when the work was extremely, if you are well compensated, but something needs to change because you just can't keep moving as you are, then I would invite you to look outside of your work first uh, to see if there's ways that you can ease other burdens in your life to create more room for rest and recovery. Now, when it comes to burnout, rest and recovery is going to be important, right? Whether you're taking it from your personal hours or your work hours, you need to have time to rest, recover, have downtime, relax, find some semblance of balance so that you can be an effective employee. So maybe from a personal standpoint, you know, it's getting a house keeper or, a keeper or working from home a couple of days a week or getting grocery delivery and laundry service and all of these small things that may cost a little bit more, but you're able to carve more time out for yourself. And if you're making, you know, $150, $200 an hour, then those things actually make a lot of sense because your time is worth more at work but your recovery time is also really important. Therapy and coaching can also help you if your issue is creating boundaries or prioritizing self-care and finding more value and meaning in the, the way you spend your time. But if you are not appropriately rewarded for your work, then think about what steps you can take to fix it. Maybe you need to ask for a raise. And if that doesn't work out, maybe you need to find a new job. Or maybe you can reduce your workload to align more with uh, what you're getting paid. I mean, maybe that means not volunteering as much for more and more work. Or if you have a workload that is more than you can handle and there's no opportunity for a raise, maybe you just start doing less. And you don't necessarily have to talk about this with your boss if you don't feel comfortable. You can just test it out. Because if you're working to find a new job anyway, then, you know, peel back and see if anybody even notices. Sometimes they don't, <laughs> very often they don't. Very often the perceived effort that we have, we think everybody's gonna notice it and nobody does. The next one is community. And this is often something that we can't fix, unfortunately. But it's worth asking yourself, 
what can you do to contribute to creating a community that is going to be beneficial and nurturing for you? Do you need a work buddy? Do you need more rapport with your boss or more laughs in the office? If your work culture is not one where you can find peace with, then this is a good reason to find another job because you can't change work culture all on your loan own. Be very clear though, if, the, if you plan to leave your role because of just community conflict, know what aspects of work culture are good for you and are not good for you so that you don't find yourself in that same situation again. The next one is fairness. And as I mentioned, this can be tricky as it's really subjective. However, if you're seeing or experiencing blatant unfairness related to like sex, gender, racial equality in the workplace, then that is something that you are going to want to decide in the moment whether or not you want to tackle that, hopefully with a, a appropriate professional support or walk away from. However, if your sense of fairness is feeling violated because of a lack of recognition or opportunity, then how can you better advocate for yourself? It's really up to you to ask for what you want or need. Your coworkers and your boss, they're not mind readers, just like your spouse is not and your friends. If you have, you have to advocate for yourself, and if that's not being taken seriously, then that's a good indication that out of your control. And then the last one uh, that I mentioned was values mismatch. And, you know, if your values don't allow, align to your company's mission, product offering, or culture, then it can be really difficult to stay motivated and push through those periods of burnout. That said, we're never going to find perfect alignment 100% of the time. And sometimes a little reframing can make all the difference. I would take some time to reflect on what your top values are and explore where they are supported or violated in terms of your role or your company. So I'll give you an example. Let's say freedom and flexibility is your highest personal value, as it was for me. But let's say you work as a surgeon or an investment banker where there's a lot of regulation and, you know, not a lot of flexibility because things need to be a certain way. Well, guess what? You're not going to see a lot of day-to-day -day opportunities to align to your freedom and flexibility values, or maybe you can, I don't know. But if it's a high paying job, then maybe that means that if you stick it out for just five years and you save up, then you can retire early and enjoy all the freedom and flexibility you want for the rest of your life. So there's always different ways of looking at things. And that's really how I got through my Silicon Valley career was knowing that at the end of the day, I was saving up something for, for a longer term flexibility. And that's what I got. And I've, I've talked about that before in terms of the fire movement and my approach to it. So maybe that's something to consider. At the end of the day, if you want to get out of a cycle of perpetual burnout, the first step is to understand very specifically, how are you getting into it? And it can be really hard to objectively uh, look at this for ourselves because we're so deeply invested in the experience. So that's where, again, therapist, coach, or just an objective friend can listen to you and help you uncover the patterns that are causing you to get burned out and create the boundaries and self-awareness you need to avoid falling into that trap again. And also journaling, you know, for some people that's a great thing to do. And I hope that this podcast has provided some fodder for journals. Just think about the things that I talked about and which ones resonate with you the most. Personally, if I look at this list, I would say that workload and perceived control are 
the biggest for me and values alignment. And that is why I have often gotten to a point of burnout. I've just gone too hard for too long and, you know, pushing in the wrong direction, like pushing boulders up a hill, but not just that, also pushing boulders up the wrong hill <laughs> again and again and again. So that's what I've got for you today. I hope that was helpful. Once again, I am going to be reaching out to the folks that is expressed interest in the group coaching shortly. And this, as I've mentioned before, is going to be a beta group. So it's going to be at an introductory price. But more importantly than that, it's going to be really cool because I'm curtailing it to the needs that each person has. So oh, when I say I'm going to be reaching out to the interest list, you're going to receive from me, if you haven't already, a form to fill out that will just give me an idea of what it is that you want to get coached on, what your struggles and challenges are, so that I can build a cohort based on people's people who are experiencing the same thing. You know, they can feel as a part of something where they're not alone in their own individual struggles. I have found that to be the most effective way of being coached. And I'm really looking forward to being a facilitator for this. And I do not know whether or not I'll ever do it live again, because the intention is to walk through this with a beta cohort and get their feedback and then decide whether or not I would just want to package this up, package it up as a program that's, you know, self-guided or do more live coaching. That will be determined after uh, I've wa walked through this experience. So please do get on the list now. And if that sounds interesting to you. And I would love, love, love to work with you. So on that note, I'm going to head out. I will see you next Friday. I will have my mic with me again. And I really hope that you guys are doing well, taking care of yourself and enjoying yourselves. Uh, it is such a privilege to speak to you all every week. I'll talk to you next week. Take care for now. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.